Let's stand. If you have a Bible or want to take the electronic one in your phone or however you are accustomed to viewing the scripture, let's take it out and I'm going to put mine over my heart just because it's something we do as a faith declaration that the Word of God is precious to us. I'm going to make a declaration and ask you to follow me. This is my Bible. God's written living word to me. It tells me what God says or who God says I am and reveals to me what God says I can have. Because it's how he thinks, I choose to believe and act on what I'll read. Therefore, I am transformed. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. I wasn't joking when Apostle John stood up and began to talk about the wedding of Cana. That is my text. So you can join me in John's Gospel in chapter 2. As an intro, just real quick, because we're going to talk a bit about a very unique relationship, one that Jesus had with his mother, I want to tell you that starting next week, we will continue this idea, and we're going to start a new series. Jeff, we're calling it Relationship Balance. Three messages starting next week. Uncommon Commitment, Unmarried Solutions, and Reconcilable Differences. Uncommon Commitment. We're going to talk about the five levels of communication and how to stop relational germs. (laughs) In the second message, Unmarried Solutions. Do you know it's a gift to remain single? And not everybody should get married. And that's just fine. If you choose to be single or if right now you are single and thinking about things, well, then you need to know how and when it's time to love. Especially if you've been hurt. So we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about the idea that it's just okay to stay single. God did not create you lonely He said to Adam, I don't want you to be alone, so I'm going to give you Eve. He didn't say Adam was lonely. Those are two entirely different things. If you feel lonely, you need to be here for message number two in particular. Then number three, reconcilable differences. Root causes of conflict and how God can heal the most damaged relationship. You know, I got to thinking about grand opening and why we were doing this and investing so much effort in it. And I wondered, did Jesus ever do a grand opening? And I realized he did. The wedding of Cana. That was Jesus' grand opening. (laughs) It was a miracle. In fact, it was called his first miracle, what he did during that wedding. 
And ooh, Jesus' first miracle. And usually that's how we hear the wedding of Canaan talked about. But my mind began to think about this. It wasn't the miracle that he performed, but who it changed. And how through that miracle, he introduced the good news of his grace to this entire planet in one miracle. Through a relationship with his mother. You ready? All right, John chapter 2. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not come. Imagine Jesus speaking to you that way. You're, you're trying to be helpful. <laughs> now this was mom. His mother said to the servants, you do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to his servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Take note. They filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and go take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and he said, Everybody brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have gotten drunk. Am, am I being faithful to the text? <laughs> Is that okay? Now you go read it from all the different translations. Some of our, our translators bless their heart. Back in the King James time, they wanted to be careful. They didn't want to talk about, you know, I have heard people, even theologians, talk about this passage and try to dismiss this as being something other than it is. I've heard them say, well, when Jesus turned the water into wine, it wasn't actually a alcohol. It didn't have any alcohol in it. It was just red. It was just like grape juice. Be the best wine for last. Really? <laughs> it certainly wouldn't meet the criteria of best wine for last. And it certainly wouldn't be something that you could get toasted on. And these guys were getting toasted. Right? <laughs> and isn't it amazing? Jesus wasn't concerned that he was contributed to them getting toasted. He was concerned with something far greater that was going to elevate humanity for all of eternity into a completely different place to where what we do on this earth is not as focus. It's who we engage relationally that he cares most about. We're going to find that out here. Let's keep reading. So they did so. <clears throat> Excuse me. Everyone, uh, he said, brings out the best wine. You have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs 
through which he revealed his glory. That's interesting. Jesus turned water into drinking wine and it revealed his glory and it was the first of all of his miracles. And his disciples believed him. That had to be some kind of wine. Now, I'm curious about this relationship that he had with his mother. Woman, and literally in the Greek, he said, what of you, what of me? It was an old Greek saying that they had back then. What of you, what of me? In other words, this isn't my time to be thinking about that. Why are you bothering me with this? Now, it's not really the word bother as in an aggressive kind of thing. You're bothering me. Get out of here. I have more important things. But Jesus was so focused that initially when she came to him, he considered this a distraction. Do you have anybody in your life that distracts you? That sheepish little. <laughs> so, I can only imagine what Mary must have been thinking. Think about it. I think we so super spiritualize the Bible that sometimes we forget these were real people with real circumstances, with real feelings, not any different than you and me. I have an idea of what Mary might have done. First, speaking to herself, as she turned away from her son who had just said, look, this, this isn't my time. We, we, can't, we can't refocus. I think she thought back to the years when she was a little girl, still a teenager, and an angel appeared to her and said, you are going to bear a son without sleeping with anybody. And his name will be called Jesus. He's going to be the savior of the world. And there were some other choice things that were said that day. And then the Bible says something very interesting about that discourse there with this young teenage girl. Could we show that Luke chapter, I believe it's 2? Congregation, would you read it aloud? Ready, read. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them. I don't think Mary was moved by what Jesus said at all. In fact, I think she turned away from him and said in her heart, you know what, I'm not letting this go. I have sacrificed. I have sacrificed to bring this kid into the world. He's been in my home now for 30 years. He's had his saw out and his hammer. He makes noise. 
He can't sleep at night, so he'll get up in the middle of the night and go build a table. It is time, Jesus, for you to get out and start your divine ministry that's going to transform humankind forever. Jesus wasn't short with his mom. Message translation says, Jesus said, is that any of our business, mother? Yours or mine? This isn't my time. Don't push me. <laughs> isn't that a great translation? And Mary turned around and said, oh, would you tell me not to push you? You are getting out of my house. You're 30 years old. I'm tired of the hammers. I'm you know, I'm tired of the saw. I have enough furniture. You are getting into your ministry, Jesus. Isn't it interesting that God assigns people to your calling? Not necessarily your life. Because I don't know about you, but I've done some dumb things. I mean, I've given people a lot of reasons to just like quit following me, quit believing in me, quit supporting me. God doesn't assign people to who you are in the flesh. He assigns people to your calling, Tyree. He assigns people to your assignment. Mary was assigned to Jesus. And don't you think for a moment Jesus wouldn't have been more comfortable building a few more pieces of furniture for a couple more years. Mary was getting ready to kick him out. So she lined up all the servants over here and she said, look, he's going to say something to you. I know it. I say, how do you know that? Because I'm his mother. <laughs> I've been thinking about these things and pondering them ever since that angel pulled me aside and said, hey, little virgin teenager, you're going to give birth to the Christ child. You're going to call his name Jesus. He's going to turn the world upside down. Really? Really? Thirty years she had been pondering this. She knew. She had been focused on something eternal. She had been focused on something you can't see. This world of the unseen. That's what she was building her dreams on. And that's what she knew was going on here with Jesus. So this wasn't mom get out of the way. It wasn't mom I'm reluctant to leave where I am. But this was Jesus saying it's not my time yet. I'd like to wait a little bit longer. Do you know what? Jeff, I think we have this if we could share it. God's anointing. That's his presence. His ability, his grace, his power is always released in our lives in relationship to our willingness to leave where we're at for where he wants us to go. Where does God want you this morning? What's he after inside of you that you've been holding back one more piece of furniture God please if, if you just if you wait until I move over there 
Lord, if you wait until I build this. God, if you wait until my pension starts. Lord, if you could just... There's a time where God says, "Mm -mm, no more excuses. You're here. I want you to leave there. And I want you to be over here. And I'm going to bring a whole new presence, a whole new anointing on your life so that you can be here. This was actually the supernatural introduction of Jesus' grace ministry. Think about it. Wedding, wine shortage, miracle of changing water into wine, master of ceremonies, saving the best for last. That's all I've ever heard when this passage has come up and been taught. But no one ever mentions these three things. The water was in jars. What it was being used for, why the jars were there, what the water in the jars was being used for. It was empty at the time, but why were the jars there and what was the water normally used for? And then why did Jesus have them fill it to the brim? We're told that these were stone jars. Anybody remember how God made Adam? (laughs) Out of dirt. You ever been called a dirt bag? That's scriptural. Yeah. We were made out of dirt. God, and, and this is interesting, look. The Bible says that God created Adam out of the dirt of the ground, stood him up, blew into his nostrils, kind of like CPR. But he only needed one breath. You know, he didn't pump, he didn't... He just... And the very essence of who God was and is left him, came up out of him, and, and went into Adam's being. And Adam, the Bible says, became a living soul. And then, so that Adam wouldn't have any say in it, ladies, so that Adam couldn't mess any of it up, he put, or God, God God took Adam and put him to sleep, and then he worked on the woman. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, look. (laughs) See, he created man out of the dust, a dirt bag. But then he 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 took you ladies... And it said, look, listen now, um, this is the Hebrew. We have a Hebrew scholar here, okay? Check me out. It says, he fashioned. Absolutely. He fashioned the woman, brought her to Adam and woke him up and said, here you go. You've been alone. Now you're complete. Not lonely, but now you'll be complete. Jars. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a jarhead. <laughs> it's not wrong. And then, and then it tells us that these jars, six of them, were used for ceremonial washing. Why? Well, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't have dinner if you didn't wash. 
In fact, you couldn't come in the house if you didn't watch. In fact, you couldn't have God's blessing on your life if you didn't watch. And you know what I found? Even after accepting Jesus as my Savior and hearing about His grace and His love and He's not judging me, I still find myself doing this to try to earn His favor. Some days where I, you know, got to go dip in the oar. Did you know that forgiveness is for Christians too? But, oh, we got to watch. All of our do-it-yourself, DIY, right? Do-it-yourself religion where we encase our entire relationship with God in behavior modification. And isn't it amazing? Jesus' first miracle Mom got me out of the house, invited me to a wedding, knowing I was going to have an encounter, knowing I was going to hear from the Holy Spirit. He took those six jars and he told them to fill them with water and somewhere, somewhere in there, after filling them with ceremonial washing, Jesus said, not anymore. I'm going to pour the new wine of my love and grace into the rest of this entire wedding feast. You will never again have to concern yourself with all your ceremonial, following the legalism of the law and trying to appease God with behavior modification. I'm going to wipe it out. And I'm going to pour new wine of my love and forgiveness and who I am and my relationship with the Father into you. You're going to become one of us. I'm going to bring you right into the Trinity with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So now it's actually a forenity. <laughs> this Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Jeff. Yeah, a forenity. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Nino. That, that's our nickname. Nino. See, it's a, it's a foursome. God's brought us in to this loving romance, and he removed all the ceremonial washing that usually keeps us distant from God because we don't measure up. We've not been good. We've not stopped what we're doing. We're on a... He says, the change I'm looking for, you can't bring by your good works. No more do-it-yourself religion. I'm going to pour my wine into your life. And oh, remember, he filled the jars. He had them fill it to the brim. That's because he was pushing out all of the do-it-yourself religion and ideas. No more 
religion. No more do-it-yourself behavior modification to try to appease God or tell him or convince him you're good enough. From now on, he accepts you as you are, blesses you not because you're good, but because Jesus is good. Are you ready to leave where you're at? Are you ready? Are you ready to leave where you're at and come into a new time of God's presence? He's ready for you. He's got a mission. You've been building furniture. He wants you to change the world. Jennifer, you're going to change the world. It's, it's not babysitting kids. Whatever it's been in the last 15 years, this will be categorically different. Because we're not only combining the best of a learning center, we're going to have the power of the Holy Spirit, His grace and His love, and this great gospel message that God accepts us as we are, just as we are, and just as I am, because of Jesus. And I wonder also today, would you like to drink of the new wine? Sure. <laughs> Could we bow our heads? Holy Spirit, you've been here all morning. There's been something going on haven't even been able to put our finger on it exactly, but we've, we've sort of reacted to it. Some people danced, some people smiled, there was laughing, there was hugs, there was singing. All of this was our attempt to respond to what we were feeling, your presence. God, thank you, thank you. But I know you're not done with us. So I ask you to work in every human heart here throughout this whole building, even individuals who haven't been in this room listening to this message, you're, you're working with them uh, and, and people that will listen later over the internet and, and other media, social media, God, that the Holy Spirit, you're going to take this message of grace and love like wine. Would you do another wedding, Jesus? Jesus.